0: This program is a paid commercial announcement from Jacob Media Partners and does not reflect the views of WPHT or its management. Your radio doctor does not recommend or endorse any specific tests, physicians, products, procedures, opinions, or other information that may be mentioned on your radio doctor. Always consult your own physician. Today's program has been pre-recorded.
1: When Recovery Centers of America at Devon opened its campuses on the main line and in South Jersey, they offered a new approach, local addiction treatment led by an expert, caring team of professionals. RCA has since helped thousands and leads the way in innovative programs and Exceptional inpatient and outpatient care, all in a beautiful setting that allows for healing and recovery. RCA answers the phone and admits patients 24 7, 365, including the holidays. All admitted patients and staff are routinely tested for COVID 19. Call now at 1 888 Recovery. That's 1 888 Recovery.
0: Talk Radio 1210, WPHT, WPHT, HD, WOGL, HD3, Philadelphia. From the Cherry Hill Volvo Studios,
2: where relationships matter. your health determines your life your longevity and your happiness let your radio doctor lead the way with your medical education
0: your radio doctor dr marianne ritchie
2: good morning and thanks for joining us here on your radio doctor i'm your host dr marianne ritchie last week we learned about obesity and the many diseases it can cause among them is fatty liver which has rapidly become the most common liver disorder in the U.S. and the most common cause for liver transplant. Later in the show, we'll be joined by a gastroenterologist who is also a hepatologist, a specialist in liver disease, Dr. Dina Halagua DiMarzio from Jefferson University Hospital. We begin with another special guest from Independence Blue Cross, Dr. Heidi Siropoulos, the Medical Director of Government Markets, who's here to tell us about a very successful program called United by Blue, providing healthy food and household items to those who are most isolated by the pandemic. Heidi, welcome. Always good to hear about the terrific work of independence.
0: Well, glad to be here again, Dr. Ritchie. It's just uh, very exciting to be able to talk about this program.
2: Well, I enjoyed our conversation the other day and you raised a great point. When family or friends are hurting from a trauma, a death in the family, we show our love and support by bringing food. Independence is doing just that. Tell us about your partnership with United by Blow. It's fantastic.
0: Well, it's, I mean, I, I still get tingles when I just think about it because it was, um, if you think back, and everyone can remember this, March, mid-March and April of 2020, it was a time of just intense sorrow and panic and um, upheaval. You know, what do we do? How do we take care of our children? Um, how am I going to get groceries? All these kinds of things. You know, by the middle of March, the entire workforce at IBC was, had left the building. and was working remotely like everybody else. And we are scrambling in our jobs trying to figure out, well, now we've got members. <laughs> Everyone's telling them you have to stay home. And we're, we ourselves are having our own challenges trying to deliver food to our own homes, thinking, okay, I, get, I need this app to get that food delivered here. I need masks. And there were shortages. And we started realizing, you know, what about our members who don't even have a smartphone, who don't even have the Internet? They don't have a computer. How are these people getting food? How, You know, so we had multiple brainstorming sessions. We were just um, absolutely bent on trying to get help to people who we thought probably, or perhaps were not getting food. So that was how this came about. Um, The way we ended up with United by Blue, which is just fascinating company. They're a Philadelphia-based outdoor clothing and gear apparel company who focuses on sustainable goods, and they give back quite a bit of their profits to helping keep our waterways clean so that's why they're called united by blue and um they have a uh, store in fishtown and one of our workers in the government markets team julia weatherly our public health guru had been walking or driving by their store and noticed that now there was no longer apparel in the store because of course no one was going into the store but they had basically changed it into refrigerated areas with meats and and, and dairy products. So the people in the neighborhood had access to food. And she went in and talked to them. And they said, oh, yeah, we have contracts with all these local farms. And um, we thought, wow, can we design a program where we're reaching out to some of our most vulnerable patients, those who we think may be at the highest risk for COVID and getting them some of these boxes of food. And that's how it took off.
2: Yeah. And so when you say members for our listeners, that means people who have IBX insurance. That's exactly right. And and as members, as you say, they're not going to turn to their smartphone or their internet and say, uh, we need this and that. They're overwhelmed to begin with, with COVID, and then add the the techno. So how did you determine who needed the assistance? Did you, in a proactive way, contact them or reach out or ask if they needed or wanted the help? Yeah.
0: For, well, the first thing we did internally was try and decide who we thought might need the help. And so we looked, and, and through our ability to look, to run data uh, analysis of all of our 100,000 members. So 100,000 people in the, in the Philadelphia area have a IBC Medicare Advantage plan. And so we know which one of these folks have got emphysema, which ones have got high blood pressure, which ones have heart disease, and we kind of came up with a core number of about 7,000 people on that on the first time we did it that had emphysema, you know, lung disease. And some other problems, so they had to have two problems. Then what we did, and this is of course after having our partnership um, consolidated with United by Blue. You know, would they be? What would they be able to put into the boxes? Would they be able to deliver it? Those kinds of things. Once that was settled, we followed a general enrollment process. The member would receive a communication from Independence Blue Cross, either a phone call or a postcard. And, uh, for example, with the postcard, there'd be a unique identifier number, and it basically said to the member, you're going to get something for free. Believe it or not, this is free. You're not going to pay for any of this. Um, Call United by Blue, and you you can enroll in the grocery program, and then you have to give your name and address, and then they would call United by Blue with that unique identifier number, and they knew that they had a match, and then they took it from there, and they would deliver food to them.
2: Yeah, and the whole message of last week and this week, we're talking about obesity, today, fatty liver. It's not just how much you eat, it's what you eat. And I understand that the contents of your delivery was reviewed by a chef, a dietitian, balanced diet, and you added household items. I noticed toilet paper, beautiful video on your website. People should visit the IBX website, really. And uh, it's. I'm sure that you had an overwhelmingly positive response from the members you helped. Tell us about that.
0: Yeah, I would say... Um... Probably the most positive response for any initiative that I've ever been involved in at IBC. It is one of the beautiful things about working with seniors is that they still write letters, handwritten letters. We had so many letters. We had people calling, crying on the phone, saying, "You know, this was just incredible. Um, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you." And it wasn't just the I. I think part of it was the idea that they were they were being sent and given food. But some of the food, you know, the food was wonderful. They, you know, they got meats and dairy and fresh fruits and fresh vegetables. They got some bread and pastries, and they got a nice
2: container of homemade soup. And in return, you're supporting local farms and local uh, vendors. Yep. So it completes the circle. United by Blue, Blue, Blue Cross. We have about a minute left, Heidi. What's next on the agenda for United by Blue and uh, Independence?
0: This was so successful. We didn't just do it that one time. We actually ended up um, doing this. And we did this primarily because we wanted to do that, but we could do it so quickly and rapidly because of the public health emergency. And so we've done it a total of five different times over the year. And we are looking to actually expand this to benefits for many of our members come January of 2022. So very, very exciting.
2: Out of 10 gold stars, you get 11, because now (laughs) 40,000 bags of food later, it's pretty, pretty incredible. And as you say, at a time of fear and anxiety, just like I remember, we all remember September 11th, my kids came home from school and they said, I have a dinosaur project or I have piano lessons. I'm like, let's just eat junk food and stay up all night. The world's gonna end tomorrow. Who cares if you do your homework? These people isolated at home felt a little hope because some big person was looking out for them. God bless you and your awesome work. Come back again, Heidi. Say hi to everybody at Independence for me. Thank you.
0: Thank you. I will.
2: Thanks for listening to Your Radio Doctor with Dr. Marianne Ritchie, exclusively presented by Independence Blue Cross. If you have a question for the medical mailbag, just send a note to doctor at yourradiodoctor.net. And we're back on Your Radio Doctor. And I'm very proud and pleased to welcome our next guest, Dr. Dina Halegua DiMarzio. She's an associate professor of medicine at the Sydney Kimmel Medical College and the director of the Fatty Liver Center at Thomas Jefferson University Hospital and my colleague. And I love her to pieces, not because only because she's so smart, because she's just wonderful and a great doctor. So, Dina, welcome.
1: Oh, thank you, Dr. Ritchie. And it's such an honor to, to speak with you today. Thank you for having me. So we mentioned earlier that we're on the theme of obesity and its consequences.
2: One of them, which I think a lot of people are not aware, and that's why I invited you today because you speak so clearly, and this is an important message, fatty liver is really taking over the planet, and people need to know about it. It's one of those issues that has been in the thought process for a while, but so many patients are told, don't worry about it, it's a little fat First of all, I guess we should say, what are the functions of the liver? Why is it so important to protect our one and only? Yeah,
1: the liver is an incredibly important organ. It's actually the second largest organ in our body and has many roles. Its biggest role is that it actually filters toxins out of our blood and helps us break down medications. Uh, In addition to that, it helps our body to make protein. It um, makes almost all of our blood clotting factors Uh, It makes bile, which is really important in digestion. So many roles that are really important. So we talk about fatty liver, the technical word that we
2: use is steatosis. And we distinguish that from steatohepatitis. And I always remind my listeners, itis means inflammation of. If you have an inflamed liver, sometimes it's transient passing, maybe you have mono or, or, but if it's there all the time, it sets you up for some big problems. Let's talk about the difference between fatty deposition or fat that can lead to inflammation.
1: So when when you have fatty liver, it's because your body is storing fat in the liver that's not normally supposed to be there. And over time, that that fat doesn't just sit there. It causes the liver cells sitting around the fat to become inflamed, uh, almost like it's toxic to them. And when liver cells are inflamed, they sometimes set off uh, these stellate cells, which lay down collagen or fibrosis scarring of the liver. And over time, this can actually progress to cirrhosis of the liver. And cirrhosis
2: then can decrease all the functions you talked about. Your clotting becomes less effective. Um, proteins aren't broken down. Medications are metabolized differently. What's the endpoint of
1: cirrhosis in some, some cases? Yeah, so in, in some cases, once you have cirrhosis, it puts you at a high risk for the development of liver cancer and uh, for the possibility of needing a liver transplant. Uh, unfortunately, unlike the kidneys where you have things like dialysis, there's nothing that can mimic the liver. So when it starts to fail... Uh, there's nothing that can replace it except for a, another liver. There's no dialysis, there's no
2: wheelchair for a sick liver. it's It's one and done. What are the major risk factors that put people
1: uh, at
2: risk for fatty liver?
1: Now, unfortunately, there's some of the most common diseases that we see diabetes, and I want to include their pre-diabetes. you know, so just having uh, resistance to insulin or high blood sugar. That is the most important risk factor. Other things that take into consideration is obesity and specifically visceral obesity or fat around the abdomen. Uh, and then high cholesterol is a, another very important risk factor. And I'm glad you
2: pre pre-diabetes People that have, we want to see that uh, hemoglobin A1C level, which is an average of your blood sugars over the course of three months. But people are more familiar with that term now. And we want to see that below 5.7. So if you're 5.8 or 5.9, don't think that you get a pass because that's when we start to see those small vessels that feed the eyes and the kidneys. That's where diabetes does its worst uh, damage. And so those changes, even slowing down the stomach, we should, we're going to do a couple shows on diabetes in the next few weeks, but all those really difficult problems start in the pre-diabetes stage. I'm glad you brought that up. So what triggers us to go do an ultrasound to look for fatty liver? What on an exam or a blood test?
1: Yeah, so the most common way that people are detected to have fatty liver is abnormal liver enzymes or liver tests. These are AST, ALT. They're very common in, in general blood tests. Uh, but sometimes this can also be picked up on exam if, if you have an enlarged liver. Uh, and sometimes if you have some imaging of your abdomen for another reason, uh, this fat can be seen on, on these scans. Uh, and that could be a sign. And so sometimes it's a coincidental
2: finding. Um, and I know that we've stressed so many times, as you do, as we all do, even as specialists, we remind people, how very important it is to have a yearly physical routine labs because we look at your blood count. We look at your chemistries that include liver function studies. And if they're off even by a little bit, we don't want you to think, well, it's just my statin drug or it's my hormone replacement. It could be fatty liver, ultrasound, easy capizzi. We run a microphone over your belly, no pain, no needles. Tell us what what studies you might look to use to diagnose it.
1: And you're right. If, if you are found to have fatty liver, and like you said, that uh, the first set of studies you should get are some blood tests, because sometimes fatty liver can mimic other liver diseases. Um, and so, so some blood tests, uh, checking for hepatitis, and we can talk more about that. Then a scan of the liver, an ultrasound, like we discussed, can actually see fat. Uh, in the liver. And then from there, we now have some more specialized tests, something called elastography, which is one of the most amazing new technologies within hepatology over the last 10 years, where we can determine if there's scarring of your liver without the need for a liver biopsy. Um, and I know, you know, that often scares patients, especially when they come to see me that, you know, when you're diagnosed with fatty liver, oh, am I going to need a liver biopsy? And, and although that can be done very successfully and is a very safe procedure, this is a test similar to an ultrasound where we can send waves through the liver and determine if you have any scarring or fibrosis, which would mean you're at risk of developing cirrhosis in the future.
2: And sometimes you'll do an ultrasound right there in the office. It might not be as sophisticated as a a fiber scan, but it's a good start.
1: It is. It is a good start. It can at least tell you if there's any masses in the liver, any nodules. It it definitely is a good way to start.
2: Mm -hmm. So
1: uh, let's say somebody has
2: diverticulitis or a completely different reason to have a CAT scan or an MRI, and we pick it up that way. What does it look like on those studies?
1: Yeah. In those studies, usually you see increased brightness of the liver. We call it echogenicity. But Fat looks brighter on imaging, like uh, CTs and ultrasound, so that's usually how it's picked up by the radiologist.
2: Mm -hmm. So on occasion, I guess you do have to add a biopsy to your plan, um, which we used to do them uh, kind of blindly. We call it the one-minute test. We make a little incision between two of the larger ribs and put a little tiny needle through and come out with a little piece of liver. Always made my hair stand on end, but we did it successfully. But now we we go to interventional radiologists and ask them to use an ultrasound to guide us, tell us if a biopsy is needed, when that might happen, and why it's a lot safer.
1: Yes. So now uh, we don't do biopsies blindly at all. It's done under direct ultrasound guidance, so that the radiologists or whatever physician's doing the biopsy for you can directly see where they're entering in the liver. They can be sure they're not hitting any blood vessels or other organs like the gallbladder, and they can safely take a a very small piece about the size of a hair of your liver. And surprisingly, that very small piece can tell us everything going on in your liver. The liver does everything uniformly. So no matter where we biopsy it, we can, we can really tell what's going on. Um, Like I said, we, that, those, the cases where we would order a biopsy or perform a biopsy um, are limited. That may be in someone who the, the testing's not giving us an answer or that they may be at risk of, of advanced fibrosis, or maybe their blood tests show that they could have a different underlying liver disease. Um, so there are very specific circumstances that we would order that.
2: So, an example might be someone who has celiac disease. Once in a while, they have abnormal liver studies. Or, as we said, they might be on a medication that changes their, their liver function studies. And we scratch our heads and we say, uh, you know, are these mutually exclusive or uh, do they both exist? And we need to know because it could change your, your plan uh, for therapy and follow up. Um, is there any condition in particular that you see more commonly that maybe diabetes or what's
1: the most common reason that you see both? Yes. So I, I often say that diet, that fatty liver is diabetes in the liver. The connection is so close. So the thought is that with high sugar in your blood, the body will turn that sugar to triglyceride or fat. And that's actually what's getting stored in the liver. So that plays such a key role. And like you were discussing diabetes, you know, that trying to treat diabetes is so important and uh, in the treatment of this disease because they are so tightly connected.
2: And we're going to come back after the break. But so sugar is as much or more of an enemy than fat. Well, because we know excess sugar gets stored as fat. But would you say on a scale of sugar's
1: more evil than fat in this case? Yes. I think sugar is the most evil substance out there. It's so inflammatory and uh, bad for our bodies, for sure. Good for people to hear.
2: Let's take a little break, and we'll be right back with Dr. Dina Halegua Marzio from Jefferson University.
0: Today's edition of Your Radio Doctor with Dr. Marianne Ritchie, presented exclusively by Independence Blue Cross, can be enjoyed anytime, anywhere, at your convenience. Just download the Odyssey app and search Your Radio Doctor. It's health education on demand.
2: And welcome back to Your Radio Doctor. We're so happy to have Dr. Dina de demarzio And we're talking about fatty liver. Dina, we talked about reasons why fat can deposit in the liver One of the causes is alcohol use. But I'm sure that when people are told you have a liver issue, a lot of times their response to you is, but I don't drink alcohol. Tell us about that.
1: Yes, and that's why, as we're referring to this as fatty liver, it's very important that we note that we're talking about non-alcoholic fatty liver disease. Alcohol also causes a fatty liver, but that's due to the toxic effects of alcohol in the liver. Um, So it's very important to distinguish that you can develop this liver disease with no alcohol. And I think that's that's really important. And if you are drinking alcohol and also have non-alcoholic fatty liver disease, you should try to avoid it because alcohol really is a direct toxin to the liver and it's not good for our bodies in general.
2: Mm-hmm. So it's a separate issue um, and it's just adding another layer of damage to your liver if it's already suffering from fatty liver. And I always like to remind our listeners that the American Cancer Society, we talk about obesity bumping the risk for at least 13 cancers maximum intake for a woman, one serving of alcohol a day, men, two servings a day. That doesn't mean you have to drink seven drinks a week. And it doesn't mean if you don't drink any day, but Saturday that you drink all seven on Saturday, but people should know that, that it really bumps risk. So we want to distinguish fatty liver um, from other causes of fat in the liver
1: other than diet.
2: Like what else?
1: Yeah. So uh, several medications can actually cause fatty liver. Um, So that's really important to know what medication your doctor's giving you. A common one that we see is tamoxifen. That's sometimes used as a cancer after breast cancer to prevent recurrence of breast cancer. But that's actually a very common side effect. Uh, The others are amiodarone, which is a heart medication, and methotrexate, which is sometimes used for uh, autoimmune conditions. Uh, You know, there's also some more rare things uh, like starvation diets uh, or certain surgeries, um, pregnancy related, there's actually a, a fatty liver pregnancy, which is a very serious condition. But the the majority of cases come, like we discussed, from the the body's inability to deal with high sugar levels.
2: And I thought it'd be important uh, to mention how starvation can cause fatty liver.
1: Yeah, so you know, and that's why it's very careful. I know we're going to talk about nutrition um, when people go on starvation diets, and we start to lose weight very very quickly. All of that, that fat starts to just go right into the bloodstream. And the liver, like I mentioned, is the big filter for the body. It has to deal with all of that fat. So that also can cause fatty liver and can be really damaging. So you want to be careful with that, for sure.
2: Well, your body goes into survival mode. It says, hey, I'm on this deserted island. There are no coconuts, no pineapples. I have to take the fat out of my fat stores into the bloodstream for calories, and as you say, then it gets filtered by the liver and not good. So for people who yo-yo diet, they're really in trouble in both directions. They gain weight quickly, they lose it quickly. That's important for people to hear. So when you suspect that somebody has fatty liver, what other labs do you do to make sure there's not a coincidental issue there?
1: Yeah. So you know, fatty liver can mimic many other liver disease. So like I mentioned, you can see brightness of the liver on imaging, but other liver diseases can look similar. So you wanna make sure that you have not been exposed to hepatitis. example is a hepatitis uh, B or C. Uh, You want to make sure you don't have any underlying diseases. We mentioned celiac disease, uh, which can sometimes present like fatty liver, and people with celiac can sometimes be more prone to fatty liver disease. Uh, There's also autoimmune liver diseases and even genetic liver diseases. So uh, you definitely want to get a full workup, which usually can be completed with blood work uh, to determine that. And as we said earlier, years ago,
2: the the common advice and I'm not blaming primary care docs sometimes other specialists would just say we'll watch it no we want to nip this in the bud if we think you have even a slight abnormality in a liver function study we want to jump on it and reduce your weight you said by as little as five to ten percent can really improve somebody's uh liver function and and decrease the damage and the risk yes
1: Yes, that's absolutely right. You know, gone are the days we could say, oh, you had just have fatty liver. There's nothing to worry about. Although it's a slow disease, this can lead in a large amount of patients to cirrhosis of the liver. And it's assumed to be the number one indication that we're doing liver transplant. So if you do have abnormal liver tests, I would recommend getting it evaluated and then working on some of the lifestyle tools you were just mentioning. Um, the liver doesn't need a large weight loss. No, just with 5 to 10% of your body weight loss, there have been studies now that show you can actually reverse your liver disease. So this is actually one of the few liver diseases that can go away with lifestyle change, which is and really exciting. That's very hopeful
2: information for people because if people feel like, oh, well, they get frustrated and they give up if they have that hope, hopeful um supportive information they're going to be more likely to be committed so you would think gee is there anything we can do to stay ahead of this uh do we look at people who are a certain percentage overweight and say let's just do ultrasounds to check but tell us what the american association for the study of liver disease guidelines are
1: Yeah. So unfortunately, because of, you know, some cost effectiveness and and lack of some drug treatments, they don't recommend that we just screen everybody for this disease. But it definitely, if you present with abnormal liver tests or abnormal imaging, it should be evaluated further. So you don't need to go out and get screened for this necessarily. Um, But if you do have some of these abnormal findings, they do need to be evaluated. How about the American Diabetes Association? Are they more likely to suggest screening maybe? Yeah. So actually just in 2019, they added this to their recommendations because of that tight link I mentioned between diabetes and fatty liver. So if you're a diabetic, um, they, they do recommend that you consider screening in those patients because of this high risk. Mm-hmm.
2: So weight loss, obviously we want to that, put that in the forefront. And as you mentioned so clearly, starvation or losing weight too quickly encourages fat to travel to the liver. So what would you tell a patient a pound or two a week?
1: Is there a general formula? Every patient's different, but. Yeah. A pound or two a week. And I'm really just focusing on eating better, you know? So we you, you, uh, were talking a lot about sugar, eliminating sugar from your diet. That's the first thing you could do. You could not make any other changes and first eliminate sugar. When I say sugar, I'm lumping in there, the refined carbohydrates, that's your white pasta, your white bread, white rice, that turns almost immediately to sugar or glucose in our bodies and, and gets turned to fat. So that's the first step. And I recommend usually following something like a Mediterranean diet, which I, I know a lot of people have heard about. That's really rich in um, unsaturated fats, fruits and vegetables, uh, lean meats and fish. That's the most important thing. So uh, not necessarily that you have to be strict with your calories. That's not what we want. We really just want you eating a better diet diet.
2: Yes, the type of diet is important more so than the number of calories per day. But exercise, I love your explanation how that helps. How does that help?
1: Yeah, so exercise is really important. Patients tell me, oh, I exercise, but I'm not losing weight. Well, even without losing weight, exercise alone has been shown in multiple studies that it can help us to reverse uh, fatty liver. So it, it helps by the muscles now can take up that extra sugar in the blood so that it doesn't get stored as fat in our liver and the muscles will burn it for fuel. So it, it's really important. And I would recommend, you know, in terms of exercise, doing some aerobic exercise, like a 30 minute walk and, and also incorporating some strength exercises, you know, lifting some weights. And, and it's actually recommended, this may sound, sound ambitious, but 30 minutes, five days a week is, is actually the, the recommendation. And haven't you seen more people
2: out walking with COVID because they're not going to their offices at all, and it's uh, there are not many silver linings to COVID, but that that seems to be one. I think more people are going out and walking. So, so Dina, how about surgery? If somebody is really heavy, really morbidly obese, do you turn to gastric bypass surgery? Yeah,
1: you know, sometimes when you are you have a lot of weight to lose, that that's really hard. And it's putting a lot of stress on your body. So if you have other risk factors like diabetes, hyperlipidemia, and then also fatty liver, yes, uh, bariatric surgery um, has been shown to be the best treatment available and can be really effective in f- reversing fatty liver as well.
2: Mm-hmm. And if a person, you, you're going to do blood tests to make sure it's not hep, even A, although that's usually uh quick coming and going it's not chronic the way hep B and hep C can be but if they're if they haven't been vaccinated you're going to vaccinate them for hepatitis A and B and the other thing you mentioned was
1: optimizing
2: that sugar control how can that help
1: Yes. So you want to talk to your doctor. You know, some of the diabetes medicines now available have actually been shown to have some benefit or can help treat fatty liver. So you definitely want to talk to your doctor about what are you on the best diabetes regimen for you and um, that will help maximize treatment of your fatty liver as well.
2: Well said, because I know there are new drugs out and we're hoping to do a show in about two weeks on those meds. And then quickly, how often do you monitor a patient who has fat in his or her liver?
1: Yeah, usually I see patients every six months so that I can detect if they're starting to form scarring of the liver or uh, at risk of liver cancer, I'm monitoring for that. Um, so, and, and sometimes if someone's doing really well, it could just be once a year.
2: Mm-hmm. But you want to stay on top of those serial ultrasounds, CAT scans, if you have to distinguish to make sure that we don't see any solid masses that could suggest uh, something dangerous. Yes, absolutely. Let's take a little break, and we'll be right back on Your Radio Doctor.
1: Thanks for listening to Your Radio Doctor with Dr. Marianne Ritchie, presented in part by Recovery Centers of America. When needed, call RCA, 1-888-RECOVERY.
2: And in our final segment with Dr. Dina Halegua demarzio Dina, what would you say are two... Pearls of wisdom that you want our listeners to take away from a discussion today?
1: Yeah, so I, I, great question. I think that it's important to recognize that even having prediabetes puts you at risk of this uh, this disease. So you need to pay attention to that and and work to reversing that pre-diabetes so that it doesn't become diabetes. Um, and then also that this is a, a really almost the number one common cause of for liver transplant or indication for liver transplant. So it's really key that you pay attention to this so that um, it, your disease doesn't progress to that point. And this is a national
2: phenomenon. We, as GI doctors said, as I mentioned earlier, proud to say that we are colleagues. Um, and we see maps from the 80s, 90s, the aughts up to now, that the map changes color as more overweight and obesity has occurred across the country, and it's it's pretty uh, alarming. What
1: are misconceptions that we want to clear before people say goodbye? Yes. Yeah. So again, it, people always think that you can only get liver disease if you drink alcohol, and that's just not true. This is a disease that you get without alcohol and can progress to cirrhosis of the liver without alcohol. So that's a common one. Um, And, you know, if you do, and and I guess another misconception is that fatty liver is just a benign condition. No. Yes. Yeah. This can progress to cirrhosis of the liver and having cirrhosis puts you at risk of liver cancer. So this is a real condition you need to follow with your physician and it needs to be monitored over time. And you need to look towards treatment, uh, the most important being lifestyle changes. Mm -hmm.
2: Well said. So how can a patient make an appointment to see you?
1: Yeah, thank you for asking that. Um, they can call us at the Jester, Jefferson Digestive Institute. I um, can give the phone number, 215 955 8900. They can also uh, go on different websites. So they can look at our website at Jefferson, the Jefferson Fatty Liver Center. Uh, other great place to get information is the American Liver Foundation. Um, but, you know, definitely really important that they consider seeing us because we're working on a lot of new medications and treatments for fatty liver and hoping that soon in the future we'll actually have medications that can also help this treat this uh, disease in addition to lifestyle change.
2: And I think it's important for people to hear that message that Philadelphia has, we are gifted with so many great medical centers. But if you have a condition such as fatty liver and you have the luxury of, People who do that liver disease all day, every day, treat yourself to seeing somebody like Doctor Dina because she does studies. And you see people elsewhere besides Jefferson, yes? We have centers in Jersey. Oh, yes, and- I also
1: go to New Jersey, exactly. And and I have colleagues who go throughout the, the Delaware Valley.
2: I mean, my friends, these are the superstars of liver disease. This is who you want to take care of you. And if you forget the number, 215-955-8900, you can always call 1-800-JEFF-NOW and ask for Dr. Dina Halegua demazio Dina, thank you so much. We've learned a lot, and I know people appreciate it.
1: Oh, thank you, Dr. Ritchie, and thank you for letting me share this important message.
2: now for your real champion. I call this segment, Put Your Best Foot Forward. Zach Micon, a recent grad from Hawk Hill, St. Joseph's University here in Philadelphia. What makes him special? Well, Zach is one of the most decorated student athletes in the school's 170 year history. Eight time Atlantic 10 all conference selection, six time A-10 individual champion. But that takes a bit of a backseat to the real story behind this remarkable young man. In grade school, Zach played sports in every season, baseball, basketball, competitive soccer by age 12. But at the end of sixth grade, he developed a mystery knee. Pain would catch him off guard. His knee would lock up during a game. What a surprise to learn he had a tumor at the lower end of his femur, the thigh bone. Surgery at Children's Hospital revealed an osteochondroma. Thankfully, this is a benign growth, but he still spent over two months in a full leg cast and several months in physical therapy. Confronted by this unusual challenge, Zach never lost hope. He trusted everything would turn out all right. Doctors and family kept him informed and he truly believed he'd fully recuperate. He looks back to those middle school days and acknowledges the big lesson. Don't give up when you're faced with hardship. He was determined to get back. He would miss the fall soccer season in seventh grade, but spring, he tried out for track. And when I asked why he switched from spring baseball, he said, After my recovery, a new sport symbolized a new start. Plus it was in his blood. His parents and older brother were all competitive runners, and by freshman year of high school, he was hooked and ran all three seasons. Grateful for this second chance, Zach developed a strong work ethic. He continued to soar in his high school career and was recruited by Division I college coaches. He was drawn to St. Joseph's not just to follow in the steps of his dad and his sister, but because it felt like home a place with great spirit and support. Fascinated by the movement of the human body, his initial goal was to become an orthopedic surgeon, but he changed direction and is now earning a master's degree in health administration. He can still have a positive impact on a large number of people and still have time for his passion of running. As a senior, Zach achieved the impossible for most college athletes, At the Atlantic 10 Indoor Track and Field Championships, he won gold in both championship events which were only hours apart. In an interview for the Hawk News, he talked about lining up for the first race and not thinking about the second race. You want to leave it all out there. Then you just have to recover, refocus, and get back on the line and do it again. Now. While studying for his master's degree, he's working at St. Joe's as a mentor for student athletes, teaching them how to manage their time commitments. And when I asked what message he'd give to a young student coping with a setback, Zach would say, your body can fail you before your mind does. It's how you overcome the hardship. Injury does not mean it's over. Do not accept defeat. Be persistent. Zach Mikon, he has medals and recognition Yet he speaks in a very humble, unassuming way because he still has work to do. He strives to make his best even better. And that's why he's training for the Olympic trials in 2024. And we Hawks are right behind him. We salute you, Zach Mykon. You're a real champion. We're very grateful to our exclusive sponsor, Independence Blue Cross, and for the support we had this year from Recovery Centers of America and Rothman Orthopedics. And we thank you for listening each week. Listen again to any of our shows at any time on our website, yourradiodoctor.com. And they're also posted on odyssey.com forward slash 1210 WPHT slash podcasts. That's odyssey, A-U-D-A-C-Y dot com slash 1210 WPHT slash podcasts. Ladies, October is Women's Health Month. And I always say, treat yourself like a diva. You don't take care of yourself, nobody else will. Come to Jefferson for Pink Plus. Get two or three cancer screenings in one visit. That's mammogram, gynecology exam, and a visit to discuss colon cancer screening. Pink Plus, 215-503-1631. Let us know what you're thinking. Tell us about a champion, maybe a topic you'd like to hear about, or if you'd like to become a partner in the show, message us at info at yourradiodoctor.com. Now, keep it here, and maybe Frank Sinatra will help us enjoy the fall by singing Autumn in New York. Love it. This is your radio doctor, Dr. Marianne Ritchie, wishing you a wonderful and safe week. Always here to remind you that your health is your wealth.
0: Thanks for listening to your radio doctor, Dr. Marianne Ritchie, a Jacob Media production. If you're interested in learning more about the power of the radio hour, contact Joe Kraus at 267-261-3428. This program is a paid
1: commercial announcement and in no way represents the views of WPHT or its management.
0: Today's program has been pre-recorded.